Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Basord and I'm a psychiatrist based at the Bethlehem Royal Hospital. I'm speaking today from the office of Professor Tony David, a professor of cognitive neuropsychiatry based at the Institute of Psychiatry. Professor Tony David is publishing a fascinating paper on insight, the title of which is Assessing Insight in Schizophrenia, East Meets West, in the March issue of the British Journal of Psychiatry. So, Tony, first of all, um, you have a long interest in insight. In fact, you're publishing a book on the subject called Insight and Psychosis. Why are you so interested in insight? I think anyone who does psychiatry uh, as a profession has to be interested in insight because it's, it's what we're always talking to our patients about. What do they really think is wrong with them? Why do they think they've got into whatever predicament it is? What do they think will help them? And all of that revolves around the issue of insight. A very old and perhaps slightly unfair definition of insight is, is, is whether you agree with your doctor, agree with your psychiatrist. Um, so it, it has, a, it has often been a very controversial territory, hasn't it? And, and the anti-psychiatrists in particular were very sceptical about the concept. Yes, I, I think that that's right. Um, but it's a much broader construct than just do you agree with the psychiatrists it's do you agree do your beliefs about your illness concur with your beliefs about the world generally um, so it's the person's own subjective view that's important and also we see in, in patients with neurological conditions uh, particularly affecting the right hemisphere of the brain sometimes suffer from very very dramatic loss of insight into their disabilities. So it's, it's not just about agreeing or disagreeing with the doctor. It sounds to me as though you feel that insight is actually a core concept in psychiatry. It lies right at the heart of psychiatric research and practice. I do, especially for the more severe kinds of psychiatric uh, problems and neurological problems affecting higher mental function. So Tony, tell me a little bit about the study. Um, you obviously collaborated with um, a group of uh, psychiatrists in India. How, 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 did this, how did this work? Well, we were funded by the Wellcome Trust here in the UK, but the study was carried out in Velour in South India, and it was a, a collaboration between people here at the Institute of Psychiatry, both in social psychiatry and neuropsychiatry, and a team led by uh, Professor Jacob at the Christian Medi Medical College in Velour. Now, one of the things that crops up in this fascinating paper of yours is the notion of insight as multidimensional, as complex. What do you mean by multidimensional and complex in terms of the assessment of insight? Well, I guess when we were training as psychiatrists, we were told, well, you, you mention insight when you're doing the mental state examination. You say it's either present or not present or perhaps partial. Uh, that's all out of the window now because we, we understand insight to be much more complicated. So it's partly to do with, in general, do you see yourself as having a problem, an illness, if you like, uh, a biomedical problem? Um, is your condition to be understood within medicine? That's one dimension. Another dimension is the particular symptoms or problems that you have. Is there any, way, any other way of explaining them? Uh, so, in, in uh, say, schizophrenia, a person might experience hearing voices. Um, do they think that that has to be 
a person talking to them through the walls or an alien being? Or do they think perhaps that's their mind playing tricks on them? Um, perhaps it's a result of taking drugs or some other uh, attribution, as we would say. So that's the other dimension of insight, the rather specific attribution about the symptom. And then the third dimension uh, is to do with the person's attitude towards treatment, call it adherence or compliance. And again, this comes from clinical practice because patients can sometimes say that they fully accept that there's something wrong with them, but they never turn up for treatment or refuse to take the treatment, and vice versa. A person can say, there's nothing really wrong with me, and yet they seem to take the treatment and find benefit from it. So those are the three dimensions that uh, our group has, has concentrated on. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about the history of, of insight as well. I imagine going back into the past, what psychoanalysts or Freud, for example, would have meant about the patient has good insight might, might differ dramatically to what the modern-day psychiatrist's view of insight would be. Yes, I think for the analyst, insight is the person's dawning awareness that their problems stem from a complex uh, childhood difficulty and their interpretation of it. Um, that's not really something that in general psychiatry we, we go along with because for one thing uh, not all psychiatrists agree with the, the basic theory. So um, it's, it's in a way it's a more superficial sort of idea. It's just to do with do you have an illness or are your problems related to your illness and what should be done about it? it? You don't have to subscribe to any particular theory about how you've got to that point. So actually it doesn't really matter where psychiatry is in terms of its basic um, state of, of, of theoretical understanding of the brain and mind. You think you can study insight completely separate to that? Yes. Um, it, it, it's not really necessarily to do with our understanding of the cause of the mental illness. So if a person says um, the, 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 the root of my problem is that my brain chemistry is upset, we might say that the person shows some quite good insight into their problem. On the other hand, uh, that would be entirely dependent on their reading and their education, their understanding. In fact, um, it, it's that matter that took us into studying insight in other cultures. So other explanations would be more meaningful for people in different cultures. But that doesn't necessarily mean they have less or more insight. Now, you talked about your interest in studying insight in other cultures, and your paper in the British Journal of Psychiatry um, is, is about this. Now, you, the, the title is Assessing Insight in Schizophrenia, East Meets West. First of all, why the interest in other cultures in terms of approaches to insight? Well. As well as some people criticizing the concept of insight as just agreeing with the doctor, other people have called it uh, a sort of Eurocentric concept that it applies in our um, narrow Western biomedical sphere, but it doesn't really apply out outside of that. Whereas the alternative view is that it's a rather universal phenomenon about a person's appreciation of their condition. So we wanted to put that to the test in a sense. And how did you conduct this study? What did you do? Well obviously we were, it was a collaborative study with uh, psychiatrists in uh, South India and uh, what, what we did was try and make use of 
the standard uh, questionnaires and assessments that we use for insight in the clinic here uh, to see how they perform, as it were, in South India, obviously in translation, but do the, the, the ideas and concepts behind what we call insight, do, do, do they translate in the broader sense into a different culture? And how did you perform the study? Well, um, simply every new person with a schizophrenia-like condition coming into the clinic in, in Vellore, South India, uh, was assessed in terms of their insight using the translations of the insight scales uh, by, by the local psychiatrist. But as well as that, or in parallel with that, a much more open-ended, uh, culturally sensitive kind of interview was, was carried out and recorded. Uh, so without the constraints of specific questions and specific uh, preconceptions, we allowed the patients to just give their account, their explanation of their condition. And then we tried to see how did the two ways of assessing insight marry up. You picked specifically patients with schizophrenia. Why, why were you picking on that particular diagnosis? Well, that's the most severe kind of mental illness where um, hallucinations and delusions are a core part of the problem. So that's really where insight is at its most is tested at its most extreme. So uh, perhaps another way of saying that is it's perhaps the, the diagnosis where people often demonstrate the least amount of insight. In, indeed, and there's somewhat less controversy about uh, the nature of the illness that it is a severe departure from normal behaviour. So uh, one isn't arguing about that quite so much as one would be with other conditions. I'm interested to hear you say that. I mm. thought that actually was a, a, a source of big debate only about 20 or 30 years ago in psychiatry. 20 or 30 years ago it was, but I, I hope we've moved on from there. Um, a large study um, sponsored by the World Health Organization tried to see whether schizophrenia existed in, in 11 or 12 different countries and found that it was rather similar uh, across the board. So in a way, our research um, takes off from there and looks at the question a bit more specifically. So one of your key starting points sounds to me as if you, you're saying that actually everywhere around the world people accept this is something definitely not normal, as it were. And therefore, starting from that standpoint where we all agree that if someone's got schizophrenia, everyone around them would accept that there's, some, there's a problem. It's not that they're a mystic or they have a deep insight into religion, let's say. So from that standpoint, you're now looking at their assessment of insight. What, what did you find? Well, what we found was that the, our standard rating scales for insight uh, seemed to work quite well in that uh, setting. Uh, but more important, what we found was that when we looked at the person's own ideas about insight, if they had strong beliefs that their condition was, say, due to uh, evil spirits or past misdeeds, that seemed to coincide with what the Western psychiatric scales would score as poor insight. Um, on the other hand, if they tended to see the problem as residing in the body <coughs> and being a medical condition and one that required help other than traditional healers, then that would coincide with what we would regard as good insight. Uh, but again, it was a little bit more subtle than that because it wasn't just a case of 
those people who were a little bit more uh, in tune with Western biomedicine, again, agreeing with us. Uh, it was really people who had sought some sort of restitution for their problem outside spiritual or mystical kinds of restitution. And so in a very, very broad sense, there was this similarity between uh, what we would call insight both in East and the West. What should we should find, surely, according to your argument, that if insight is one of the key things that gets lost in schizophrenia, there should be some relationship between the severity of the schizophrenic illness and the level of insight. Did you find that? We did find that, and but we found here, as elsewhere, that it's not a very strong relationship. Now, if the relationship was so strong, you would argue, well, you're not adding anything by assessing insight as well. It's just another aspect of the person being... Uh, very severely affected. So yes, it goes in the same direction, but it's 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 a little bit different from just being highly symptomatic. But you seem with this paper, I think, to be establishing something really interesting, that there's a kind of universal, wherever you are in the world, notion of disease. And there is also a universal, therefore, notion around the world that, that psychiatric symptomatology could be linked to disease. Yes, and, and that, it, that it has to be put right in some way, other than through the sort of spiritual, mystical roots. Um, another thing that cropped up, which again we see in other studies, is that while the level of symptoms tends to, as they, as they go up, the level of insight tends to go down, that isn't true of all symptoms. So anxiety and depression has the other, other opposite effect. And again, we've seen this in other studies. So the more sort of uh, self-critical a person is about themselves and about the world, more pessimistic, if you like, the more they're likely to entertain that the problem is within themselves and not due to some uh, outside force. And that seems to be another universal so that's fascinating, isn't it? In other words, what you're saying is people who are more anxious and depressed seem to have more insight. And you, you're arguing it's the anxiety and depression that the cognitive process is linked to that that's helping them have more insight. Some people would argue this other way around. You have more insight, you realize you've got this terrible schizophrenic illness, and that makes you more anxious and depressed. That's right. That's the kind of uh, received wisdom. Um, and when you think about it, it's going to be very, very difficult to tease out which of those two is correct. Probably it's a bit of both. But um, th th there's something about, therefore, depressive realism, you argue in the paper. And I was very interested in that idea that seems to lend it itself to insight. Could you say a bit more about that? Yes, and this, this is the idea that apart from people with psychiatric problems, everyone, every one of us, um, is perhaps more or less optimistic or pessimistic. And uh, a lot of experiments have been done in psychology showing that on average, we're a little bit more optimistic so that when we are asked to guess the outcome of certain chance events, we tend to sort of think that things are gonna work out well. But if, if we're a little bit pessimistic, we're actually more realistic. And uh, that seems to apply to the question of, is there something wrong with me? If, if you're a little bit pessimistic, you tend to think, well, maybe there is. And ironically, you're probably right. Now, what's the next stage in terms of your research in this area? What's the next uh, area you're going to explore? Or what's the next study that follows on from these findings? Well, of course, um, this is just one culture. 
And even within South India, there are so many, there's a multiplicity of cultures. And one could go on studying different cultures as, uh, to see whether the universals come through. And that obviously would be rather interesting. Um, our approach, though, is to try and look at insight from all kinds of directions. So as well as, we're, as, well as the cultural and social dimension, we're also interested in seeing whether there is a biological or neurological dimension. And are you doing some brain scanning work in that area then? Exactly, yes, we are. First of all, to see whether the structure of the brain differs in people who score low on insight compared to those who score highly. And also looking at the function of the brain so that when asked to, to reflect on one's condition, which, which brain areas are involved with that? And are they the sort of brain areas that might be disrupted in people with, say, schizophrenia? You also make a very interesting remark in the paper about the fact that people often have poor insight into their, their own behaviour, but actually are very good at labelling other people's behaviour mm. as almost definitely down to mental illness. And as, as a psychiatrist, one sees this on the wards. The patient is pretty clear they're completely well, but accepts fully that everyone around them is yes. quite clearly unwell. Any, any thoughts about that? Because that leads us to surely to an idea that theory of mind in some way might be linked to insight, perhaps. Well, it is a fascinating uh, phenomenon that that I think a lot of people have noticed. I mean, it tells you one thing quite simply, that um, the, as it were, the model of what constitutes a mental illness must be present in people with a mental illness. It's, it, it's not that they just don't know what a mental illness is, uh, and therefore they don't realize that they suffer from one. They know perfectly well what it is because they can spot it in others. Um, it's just that turning the, the, the gaze on oneself that is so difficult. And, of course, it is part of the human condition that we tend to find that a problem. And, and one idea is that, it, that lack of insight in conditions like schizophrenia is simply an exaggeration of this normal flaw, if you like, in our own psychology. Is any of this research going to have practical implications in terms of treatment? Do, do you think there will be an insight-based therapy, a therapy maybe at a, at a cognitive level or a psychological level that actually will help people specifically develop more insight? And are you working on that? Well, to some extent, yes, in that there is this very close link between insight and acceptance of the need for treatment of whatever kind. And so we, we have looked at uh, cognitive therapies aimed at improving insight with the ultimate aim uh, that the person would be more accepting, or at least not rejecting, of treatment. And I, I think that is, that is a very worthwhile endeavor. Uh, but of course, as you've been alluding, it, it's not enough just to convince a person that they're ill, because that could be a rather depressing and demotivating uh, conclusion. One has to try and convey the true idea that because you've got an illness isn't the end of the story because there's something you can do about it. So accepting the illness but accepting that you have some ability to alter the course of the illness, that's something that could well be the focus of a, a psychological treatment. Are, are there any developments yet that you could hint at in terms of clinical psychiatrists struggling out there with, with clients with low insight in terms of what one can do to help improve insight within the therapeutic encounter? Well, again, as I say, there's no point just simply banging on to the person that they're ill and they have to accept it. Uh, it has to be that 
in accepting that there's an illness, it's, it provides a, a route out of it. So if it's combined with a sort of empowering sense that this is something that can be done and that treatment is good, then I think that is something that all psychiatrists can make use of. Now, one final point that I think is really interesting about your paper, it's a well-known finding, isn't it, and I think it's still standing up, that often schizophrenia or psychosis has been found to have a better prognosis um, in lesser developed countries than in the wealthier West, which seems a very odd paradoxical finding. You'd have thought um, in, 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 in the West, where we could afford the best treatments, you'd get a better prognosis. Now, you've been exploring in this paper insight and accounts of insight and, and supernatural explanations, for example, in India. Do you think there are any clues here that, that reveal why it is the prognosis for schizophrenia might be better in, in less developed countries? Um, well, there are a few clues, and I wouldn't claim to be an expert on this particular issue. Um, but one idea is that in cultures where um, there's an acceptance of, of the supernatural alongside with the material world, uh, and where people don't become too dogmatic about one being right and, one, and the other being wrong, that one accepts that there are multiplicities of explanations. Perhaps that's rather useful when it comes to trying to come to terms with uh, a, a psychotic illness, that one doesn't have to be dead against treatment or all for it. One can accept all kinds of treatments, social, spiritual, and medical. And we wonder whether that's part of this, uh, part of the explanation for why these illnesses might not have such a bad prognosis in the less developed world. Professor Tony David, thank you very much. Thank you.